Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. How's it going, man? Great, my mustache is coming out. When I had a mustache in November, you were very envious of my mustache. Yeah, I didn't think I could grow one. Yours is a man. It's a manly. It's not like chevron. No, no, it's not a chevron. But you've got the the, what are those called? Handlebars. Handlebars. Like the little tight handlebars. Not like wider. They're not wider handlebars. They don't go down. They curl up like the The wax. Wax. I actually got the hair wax out, and I did like an old schoolish like straight petroleum. Based I think I can tell it. Yeah. Murray. I'm really close to you right now. So Good, man. I put a couple different ones in. Yeah. yeah so I pushed up with the soft one, comb it out. And Props. Should we be live so. streaming this right now? We should. I mean, okay. People, people deserve to I see I actually these. posted on our Instagram account uh, that doesn't have a lot of followers because someone messed up on it. I messed up. I got to repost it. Um, so if you go there, the reason why we don't have a bunch of followers. I changed the name to a better name, too. It, it is. <laughs> well, you have like whatever mustache uh, what's it called it is called the next step podcast so it's the underscore next step okay. underscore podcast so we're live now we'll see if anyone gets on here and we can check out your mustache oh, there, there, is. there we go oh Boom. there you are what do you think no one's on, on there yet, yet. no one's on there yet sorry but we'll see if anyone okay. gets on there. um so let's uh what's surfport looking like surfport is it's looking happy new year by the way happy new year 2017, the year of results is going I on. haven't served all year. Yes, you haven't. You didn't. I actually took my son out. I didn't get to serve for myself, but I did take my five-year-old out. One to two grades. And very uh, poor conditions. Actually, great conditions as far as the, the wind. It was freezing cold. And uh, no one out, so we had all three to ourselves. And it is one to two between today and Thursday. And on Friday, it picks up to about two to three. And Perfect timing. Yeah. By by Sunday. What's the best day of the week, by the way? Sunday. <laughs> always. The only always. Always the way it is. And hey, that's how it was this last Sunday. It was sunny. Serious day. When your son is surfing, like I'm telling you, it when you see a one to two report, you actually get stoked. Yeah, I did. I was so stoked when, when I looked was and checked it and it was like, I was clean, like, oh, awesome. One and two and clean and not crappy. Yeah. Like, oh, I was like, this kid's good. He had a blast. He wanted to stay all night just to make sure. Um, well, that's good to know. Yep. Uh, let's talk about some podcast stats. Um, year in review. We weren't a full year, but uh, how many countries do you think listen to our podcast? People from different countries. What? Look at this. That we have great. 16 plus 21 other countries. So what's 16 plus 21? 37. Good. All right. 37 wow. countries, dude. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. I didn't think we'd have 37 people listening to this. When you first brought this idea up, we were in Yuma, Arizona, a dove hunting trip, an annual dove hunting trip. And you tell me you want to do a podcast, and I just started listening to podcasts again to address this issue. There's no way I'm going to get the. I'm comparing this, of course, to yep. have millions of followers. But we do not have millions of followers, so, but. but the fact that we have more than 30. I thought we'd have 37 people, maybe. Yeah. I didn't think that. I'd be like, who wants to listen to us talk? But we are helping a lot of people. Our feedback's great. Yeah. And uh, so you can help us, uh, audience, by sharing this on your social media. Please do. And Bring as awareness. you know, it's not just for addicts. It's uh, 
fun. It's entertaining. Just say, hey, these two goofballs, California, they're kind of fun to listen to. But uh, we also get real talk about recovery. Yeah, totally. And Give you a solution, baby. Uh, name get, name uh, any of our top five countries outside of the United States. See if you can get any of these. Um, well, Some of them we've talked about. Yeah, the Uganda. Vietnam. Vietnam was okay. Okay. I would put them up there. Whoa, I almost dropped the mic earlier. I would put Vietnam. Um I'd say no, we didn't have any Samoans. Canada the next Oh, it was Canada? Canada, okay. number two. Nice, Canada. And okay. the country that I really want to visit that I George St. Pierre. Maybe he's Australia might. Australia might. No way. Down under. Yeah, down under in the Netherlands. Netherlands. The Dutch land and the UK. Wow, you guys are awesome. So keep it up. Please Vietnam, share. Vietnam, we have 30 people listening? Yeah. In Canada, we have 30. Hey, listen, if, if you're listening right now, we just rattled your state off. I mean, sorry, your country off. You're awesome. We appreciate you. Really do. But we should listen. What news you got for us, Mr. Mason? Well, uh, 2017. <laughs> Comes out with some uh, new themes for our youth, and I. Who does the church? The church does. Okay. We're uh, talking about the church, and the youth theme is ask, and it references James one five. Can you quote that? Yes, but let it. James one five through six. But let a man. But let him ask, and now I'm reading. <laughs> but let him ask in faith. Nothing. I used to have this memorized. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and. Would you say our youth are driven by the winds? Let me read the beginning part. If, if any of you lack wisdom, let us go out of that to all men living in the greatest mountain. It's given unto you. So our, I love that scripture. Are we uh, in a state of society where people are wavering we and were, being tossed to and fro? It's so funny you say that because we just found out on Facebook, if you're paying attention to this part, but Alexis from the drive over here, my wife, uh, said that she just found out an elder one of our friends uh, mm-hmm. is leaving the church. Made it public on her Facebook page, and then a bunch of people from uh, from Hawaii, BYU, Hawaii, strong members, literally ten within the last so ten years is all it took. Really, only five, but you're out of BYU, Hawaii, strongest members ever. They're gone. No one to be a part of it anymore. That's too much. This pays this that church priesthood, whatever it is, they were wavering. Right? It's like mm-hmm. exact when you when I read that scripture, and then you ask that question, I'm thinking, driven to the wind. And there it is. That's that's them, right? So, what does the scripture, what does Bummer. the Bible tell us to do? Ask, ask, yeah. and shall be brave. Not like ask with with true faith. And who like, do we ask? Do we ask our friends? Do we, do we post it that's on Facebook? We were, that's what we're saying when we drove here. We're like, this guy that left. I'm just kidding. Maybe hopefully he is. Yeah, real hopefully talk. He is. It's real, real talk. talk. Because if you're sitting here, I was just thinking you know, But I would say, reality is, when you started having these questions, who did you ask? And I, I honestly believe, even with doctrine. Yeah, you can ask your bishop, and you can ask great questions, but you're still asking a man with a testimony of his own. When you have real questions about doctrine, when you have real questions about your life and your future and the decisions you're going to make for your future posterity, by the way, this guy's not married yet, so he says he's engaged, and he wants to talk about their families, but it's a little bit, uh, he hasn't, like, I just can't imagine living life with a family and having pressure and so on and so forth, but choosing to do that, but what I'm saying is, that's what this James one five says. It's exactly what the theme says is if our if our youth will follow the pattern of Joseph Smith and go to the scriptures and ask of God, they'll receive answers. Never before 
Is this pattern needed more than in our day? So that, and that's why it I doesn't love say go to your leader, go to go to Twitter go to and ask questions. Go, go to that. What's the, go, you know? Go to one of these other. Uh, go to one of these other podcasts that all they do is like lead you away from the church, or go to this other page where hey, you know, we can all have a community. And I I get it. We love everyone. But what I'm what what Brad and I are trying to say on here is what the church is saying. If you have questions about the doctrine, but you still want to be a member of the church, go to the source of the doctrine. Source of the doctrine is not Joseph Smith. It's not your bishop. It's not your state president. Who wrote that? Who wrote that down? Where do those inspired words come from to give thought? It came from God. If you ask those questions, I'm a convert. I don't know if I give me any little bit more to say, but I'll tell you what, the biggest um, reason uh, that I related to, to joining the church and why I felt like I was in the right place was Joseph Smith's words. I learned about him and his flaws and all the things of imperfections and perfections. One thing he was perfect at, in my opinion, was going to the Lord and asking him for advice. Even if he had made some mistakes. It took him years, right? How many times were I visit him? Four years? Yeah, three years. Three years, okay? And why did he say that? He wrote in writes in his journal because he wasn't ready. Right. But when he was ready, where was he going? And he even talked about it. He'd, he'd go here, he'd go there, but he'd come back finally to his faith. And that guy had some extreme trials, and yet the man, and my elders were impressed with this, the best lesson he said, <clears throat> Hiram and Joseph on the route ready to be killed, right? Their families being orphaned, their children. The whole, imagine that. And what are they doing? They're reading scripture. They weren't talking about this. They weren't reading something else, writing something. They were reading the Book of Mormon. And they had an opportunity to write this down. Great, great segue to uh, Sister McConkie said that the young Joseph Smith stands as a timeless example of how we look beyond distractions and seek truth from God. And then, quote, Joseph Smith asked in faith with the full intent that he would follow whatever answer he received from the Lord. And, and in, the, in the midst of darkness, we see today Satan is creating distractions so people cannot really connect with heaven. That's, I mean, we, that's yeah. boom. That's, oh, that's enough said. Enough said. So uh, youth, youth, that's your theme, but that should be a theme for everybody. Totally. That's adults, too. In fact, this other article on CBS News uh, pulls up in similar is just an hour a day on social media can affect kids' happiness. It affects my happiness. I'm going to go out there and say it. Are you saying you're a kid, yes. or does it affect adults' happiness? I'm saying I'm a child at heart, always. I'm a mom, always. But, uh, no, I feel like social media, man, it's my, sometimes it's good and it's fun and it's all for good things. Times when I'm usually having a hard day, if I, if I focus more on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, rather than listen, even some of these podcasts, but like uh, the ones that I'm listening to, it's not good. I, it doesn't pull me out. There's no action there. Like a lot of things just sit. Like addiction or anything else, problem, solution. Yes. Yeah, the, and the research said our results suggest that spending more time on social media networks reduces the satisfaction that children feel with all aspects of their life, except for their wow. friendships. So it connects them, but, um, I mean, how many times you're like, oh, so-and-so did this. Oh, so-and-so did that. They went to eat here. They went and surfed there. Like, it brings a lot of jealousy. Right. Um, adults. Meeting with everyone. When I was first coming back, when me and my wife first got back together, we were broke. We had nothing. We, we lost our scholarship to BYU when I was second child on the way and Instagram made me oh, my first year of sobriety my first 
Rogers and all these other guys, their families, and they had great careers. They graduated from BYU, and they were going off and, and making all this money, and they were just they were happy. Here I was, you know, having to ask my, luckily, my aunt Lisa was so awesome. She kept me busy because she was my mom. And I just remember thinking, that's not my mom that does that. And so it, it, because there was no action involved in that, and I was just kind of like working, they, you know, because 2016 was a new year, I think about that too. It's all about action. It's the action you need to get people out of that rut. Good, good reminder. The irony would be to post that on Instagram. I know, I did one I of those. I think I did, but I think I posted that, and then someone said, nice posting on on. Uh, Social media, but uh, no, no, that's, how we, that's how we communicate. But I have uh, made a dramatic decrease on the amount of time I spent even uh, reading text. Ooh. Like I, I put specific times. You know, you got business, you got to yeah. go, and yeah. then like there's pleasure. Yeah. So, because uh, you can get bombarded all day long, and it just pulls you off of your thoughts your and pulls thoughts. you into someone else's thoughts. Your goals. Yep. Uh, last one. Uh, you've quoted this a few times, but the article in Addiction Now. That early substance use forecasts a grim future for teens. So if you're yeah. experimenting or using drugs at an early age, your probability of being addicted as older is dramatically increased. Yeah, I read an article about that this morning. I don't remember what quote me, but it's like 64, 64 times more likely for substance use in the adult life to be uh, to impaired in the adult life. So I mean. And they don't I know that for be true. I mean, I was seven years old, and I think the reason is it's not just drug, it's not the alcohol that does it. I think it's the it's like the adult. If you're listening and you're a teenager, that's not going to work as well as if you're sober, because you became you know when I speak at the high school, it's like if you start smoking weed or you start drinking or you start doing whatever it is that you do, it starts creating a pattern in your life of running from from running from you create that pattern with substance, guess what? It, substance is always going to be there. And you, it'll, it'll be your solution that you created for the rest of your life. But if you're an adult, you're like, then guess what? It, you're allowed to use weed. It's now legal. Alcohol is legal. Teenage, right? These mm-hmm. substances are there for you. You created that pattern when you were youth, and then now all of a sudden, if the, the gates are open and you turn lights on and you do some stupid things, you're going to not do that. Well, how much more are your stresses today than they were when you were 15? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now you have real stuff. You got bills, you got a family, yeah. you got all these things. Like, you think like, like real problems. Yeah, you were just it doing feels it real problems. It, no, but it feels like yeah, real but, problems but when you're most, 12, 15. But when you, most of us, when we were using when we were younger, it was to fit in. It okay. was a social thing. And, and but it, it also was, took takes away. Like I, of course. I, I have friends that I remember vividly. Like they could not go to a party without drinking. They couldn't without a buzz. They would not go. And that's do because this. of the social. That's because. Yeah. They're, they're, they're anticipated, right? And you guys know that. Point is, when you're young, stop now, go to a meeting, and ask for help. Boom. Boom. <laughs> We're short on news. Uh, I wanted to end it quick. We got a great uh, we got ask a Facebook the page up once, and eventually, like, you'll get people like. We actually have requests. one. Remember, you. That's right. We need to start but I'm saying it. once we promote our social life, our social media, as we're talking that's about That's a goal it, for this year. That's Brad's goal that I will continue. That's my goal for you. I'll that's continue it. to produce and yeah, he does everything get the editing. And I just show up with a mustache. Get the news and, and, and you keep sober. 
That's so. first first number one goal for you. First number one goal, most important, remain sober. Remain it's sobriety. No excuse. And by the way, I talked to someone today. Uh, they were on the verge of leaving, and one of the, um, they called and reached out. They were supposed to go around. Crap, she had a few meetings tonight. But anyways, the point was, and it just came to my mind, there's never an excuse, ladies and gentlemen, children, adults, whoever's listening, whatever time you're in, you're doing never an excuse, no matter what. Take a deep breath, take the phone, ask for help. When you take a deep breath, it's because it's important to realize that there's no excuse. You're using what you have is ever to help you get what you need, ever. And the news there. We'll go on to your share. And then we'll have Ask the Addict with special guest, uh, Grub Tech of Eminem Health. Okay. <coughs> Grateful to be here. Um, like Brad said, where there's two or three gathered in my name, meaning the Lord's name, so shall my spirit be. And so I'm grateful that you guys are here. When I first started coming to the meetings, there was four of us, um, four to five of us every single Thursday, my first whole year probably going to meetings. So, and that meeting turned into 40 to 50 people. So, um, I'm just grateful that you came, especially those, you know, I know Joe Bard, if you need here and who maybe even have loved ones that don't understand what it's like to come here and the sacrifice that takes to come, you know. Um, uh, this step, along with any other step, this disease is so hard to understand, and if you try to wrap your mind around it from a logical standpoint of the way logic is, you'll, you're going to go crazy because when we're addicts and we're um, the things we do to our families, to ourselves, to our everything, like, they're unexplainable, it's not logical, and... Um, so you can't even go there. You can't, you can't try to rationalize this disease, and, um, including the recovery. And whether you're here for a loved one or for yourself, um, you know, the best thing to do is just to apply these steps. It makes it really simple. Like even if you're, you have uh, the, the spouse that's an addict or the child who's the addict or the, you yourself are the addict, it doesn't matter. The, the, the best way to go about recovery, meaning just spiritual sanity and um, what it says in the beginning when he reads from this card, it talks, you know, he says, um, family and friends who practice these 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. So there's a promise to the, the addict and there's a promise to everyone else. And the simplest way is to not try to, you know, create this thing on healing on your own. It's just to do exactly what it says word for word. It's super simple. This is one page long. And then there's some questions in the back. Um, my whole life has changed. I was, you know, just like anyone else, I was out there doing crazy things and had crazy thoughts. And uh, uh, my actions definitely were not even close to being in line with the gospel. But now they are. And not perfectly. I struggle like anyone else. But I have this step specifically to start over with every day if I want to or every week if I want to. And, um, and I love it because when reading this, it was like, man, this is just what I did the other, this is what I've been going through. I did step 10, like, lately, the last few months. I talked about this a while ago that, you know, even in recovery and being sober from drugs and alcohol doesn't mean that I don't have other weaknesses and challenges that affect me and my family and they affect my spirituality and all these other things. And I, I can use these steps literally. I don't have to just take them for some, like, poetry. Like, I can put them into my life and apply them. Most of us fall step 10 by taking a day, um, inventory daily. As you plan your day, prayfully examine your motives. That's literal, right? Like, I mean, that can be easily applied to anyone. What are your motives? I was thinking about this the other day because um, Lexi took the kids 
um, for the last couple of days, and I was by myself, and I got some time to just go down to the beach and surf, and then think about have dinner by myself without work, without nothing, to watch the sunset, and just kind of think. And um, life's not always easy, and life has a lot of challenges. And everyone I know seems like, well, not everyone, but most people are going through very big challenges in their life and in their families. And um, the best way to to deal with it, in my opinion, is to first of all, like you need to, I need to, and we all need to come to terms with God is not the one doing this to you. Sometimes we hear in the church that God gives us challenges, right? I don't know how much I believe that because I haven't found a scripture where he did say he gives you challenges. I know it says he gives you weaknesses, okay? And then life creates challenges because people have agency, right? And we're surrounded by other people's choices, right? Including our own. And so I don't know where it says God gives you challenges. I do know where it says God gives you weaknesses, E through 1227, and many other ones. So, and the reason why I bring that up is because sometimes when we're going through some really <coughs> crappy times, and some of them are caused by ourselves or our loved ones, it's very easy for me personally to blame God for it, or to lose faith in God, or to lose, and you don't even realize, I personally don't even realize when I'm doing it, it's not so much I don't think he's there, it's like, well, why have you forsaken me, right? It's the Job quote, it's like, well, where are you then? Are you not taking care of me? And then immediately, I stop wanting to go to him in prayer. Because I'm like, well, you're not even helping me, you know. And it's not, I'm not having these conscious decisions, but they're happening. They happen daily. When if I don't say my <coughs> prayer and I take a step 10 and inventory and go, well, where am I at right now? It's generally because, like, you know, there's some type of faith I'm lacking in God. That I'm not his son or, like, he's not going to take care of me. And, and he doesn't know every one of my needs, like it says in the gospel. And I took some moment, actually, the other day for the first time in a long time, to read scripture, and you know, I'm not the like I said, I'm not even close to being the best. And um, I Matthew six. There's only a few of us, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this because Matthew six, uh, chapter six, verse nineteen on. This literally this just shows the power of this step and what it can do for you. I've been struggling the last couple months with with just life and business, like work and material things that don't really matter. But the substance, you know, how are you gonna survive? How am I gonna pay my bill? Like all sorts of stuff and. Just new challenges and friend challenges and whatever it is. Um, losing someone I sponsored and looked like was a close friend. And anyways, I read this and it changed everything for me. Uh, at least it got my mind thinking in a godly sense. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth rust and, and doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break um, through nor steal. For where your treasures is, there will your heart be also. So you can take that just for literally you're talking about money and monetary things. And that's for sure what it's talking about. But you can take that for other things too. Like what, are, what is our God, right? Like what, what, what are the things we sacrifice our time? Are, are, is, it, is it our kids? Is it our status? Is it making sure our family looks really good on the outside? Is it... It could be a million things. It could be your hobby. It could be something that's really healthy, but you're, you're looking to that for gratification. And so it's telling you, if you put your, if I put my, if I put my happiness in things and circumstances, I'm going to fail. Because then it says, the light of the body, um, he says, there your heart be. And he says, the light of the body is the eye. And therefore, thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Very simple, very literal. Like if I keep my eyes single to the glory of God, to God, and to the, the scriptures and to the steps, 
then I don't have to worry. My, my light comes. But it says, if thy eye be evil, and I don't think he's talking about you being evil. I think it just means upon things that aren't of God, which is, we know who they're from. Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And the crazy part is, is it doesn't usually happen at once. I don't know if you're like me, but if you've ever sinned or broken a commandment, I sure as hell don't feel like evil right away. But I do notice over time of making consistent bad choices, before you know it, I feel darkness. I don't necessarily feel evil, but I feel darkness. I don't feel connected anymore. I feel kind of lonely. It's like Nephi, when he, or Lehi's dream, and I'm like, there's mist everywhere, and I can't even find the rod. I've been there so many times in my membership of the church. It's like, it's insane. And, and Christ is sitting here telling me what to do. It's, he says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I believe that is, it goes hand in hand, too, with our recovery. And, and you can't, it says in here, there's no faith and fear cannot coexist. We're all going through challenges, whether it be from our own disease or for your loved one's disease. It doesn't matter, your child or whatever it is. If we don't, if we don't, if we don't serve God, like if he's not our main thing, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but when I don't, I'm headed for, for mist. I'm headed for darkness. I'm headed for confusion. I'm headed for I can't see the eternal perspective. Why the hell am I going through this? I start saying things like this. Why me? Why me? Why me? Why not him? How come they look like they got it all together? How come so-and-so? Like, what did I do to get here? I thought I'm doing good. Like, aren't you happy? I start saying things like this in my head. I don't realize I'm saying this in my head until I have this inventory, step 10, and I have this scripture moment. It says, and therefore I say unto you, take, <coughs> this is huge, because I think every one of us in this room are going through some sort of challenge. I know that for a fact. I don't fake that. Obviously know that. Every one of us are going through something right now. And this scripture changes it all. Verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor Yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than remnant? Behold, thy fowls of the air, the birds in the air, it says, For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet our heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit, unto his stature, right? When I'm projecting, what does that ever get me? It never, when I'm worried about the future, I'm living in the past, what do I do? I neglect the present. And so therefore I add, but you get caught up in that disease and that mind where you're obsessing over things you can't control. He says, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet, I say unto you, this is Christ, this is the Son of God, the, the one we say this church is ran by, the one we say we believe in, the one we say literally he lived in the period of Joseph Smith. This is his words. He says, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon, the king of our time, our president, our leaders, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clotheth the grass of the fields, which do, which today is and tomorrow cast into the oven shall he not much more clothe you and then christ calls us out again oh ye little faith therefore take no thought say saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or where shall we be clothed for after all these things do the gentiles seek 
That's us. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient is unto the day. I know that when I try to control my life, it falls apart. I know when I take glory for my life, it falls apart. I know when I take other people's inventory, meaning like what I think they should be doing and what should they not be doing, I fall apart. I know that when I don't keep my eyes single to the Lord, it falls apart. Um, I don't know if I've been, if that's a blessing. I used to think it was a curse, but all, all I know is I'm grateful. I can't be lukewarm. And we know what it says about lukewarm. I, if I either live the gospel, my life is fully taken care of. And I'm a 100%. It doesn't mean it's all perfect. It just means I'm 1,000% confident that God's taking care of me and, I'm, and he's watching me. When I take my eye off of him just a little bit, then I'm, I end up in the midst of darkness again. These steps literally can, this is what this step is, is taking the time, all these steps, to go shut out the world and to go, okay, how do I find my eye single to the glory? Because I heard those scriptures when I joined the church 12 years ago. I had no idea how to be single. These steps taught me how to be single. And when I apply them, they work 100% of the time. It's guaranteed. And um, I love you guys, and I'm glad you're here. And I know that we're all struggling, and I know that um, we all have a lot of good things going in our life too, though. And we have a lot taken care of, and there's a lot of people that have a lot less than all of us and have worse challenges, believe it or not, than we do. And I'm just grateful you're here, and um, pray that you guys will share and what's on your mind your heart and just get it out and go into Thanksgiving and be really thankful. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have a special guest here for Ask the Addict. We have Rebecca. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Can we call you Rebecca? Yeah. Rebecca or Becca? How about Becca? I like Becca. Okay. Hi. Becca, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. So, so happy. you are uh, not a frequent listener to the podcast, but uh, you reluctantly and excitingly volunteered to participate in our Ask the Addict section. I did. So, uh, Becca, has uh, how many years of AARP have you participated in? Okay, so for the first question, for AA as in in and out. Loosen up a little bit, Becca. (laughs) (laughs) She's really professional. Yeah. That was good. Okay, so my very first introduction to AA was when I was 14 years old, and I've been in and out of the big AA we're going to do the math here and figure out how old you are, so be careful. I know. Uh, I, I, I've been Brad's the oldest one. <laughs> in and out of AA probably until I was 35, 36, 37. So you're going to make me do that math. Yeah. Okay. And then I was, no, actually until 35. And then at 35, I lost my husband. In three months, we were newlywed. I lost him to a heroin overdose. I went into the rooms of ARP in San Fernando, and I did that for the rest of my life. 
And uh, have you been clean and sober since that time? I've had some length of sobriety. Um, most of the length of sobriety I had was two years, and that was during my pregnancy and then the first year that I was nursing my baby. And uh, I've had several relapses. So my current sobriety date now is July 25th. And so you're about almost six months, if I do that math correctly. Yes, six months. I've said math like five times. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, so, needless to say, you've had some relapses over the years since you were 14. Since, Many since, relapses. Since uh, coming to realization of step one that your life has become unmanageable. Um, and so I'd kind of like to focus that, some questions around that. Sure. Uh, I think uh, relapse is a reality. Yeah. People come to uh, the first step and realize their life's unmanageable and there's still a long way to go oh. until you're actually living in recovery. Now, most of the addicts we've, uh, I'm trying to go back to all, Jay, correct me, we've had asked the addict, have had significant time, at least 12 months of sobriety. Yeah. So, most part, yeah. Uh, and so they're coming from perspective, and many of them didn't, one, I think, or two now. didn't focus so much on the relapse. So I think this would be helpful to kind of dive in and what is the root cause. So there may, there's, we have listeners from all over the world. And Triggers, things that you are not paying attention to. And you're, yeah. you're in a good state of mind now to really be open and honest and yeah. call BS on some people who are lying to themselves and give hope to those that need to hold on to that hope. They always say in AA that no one's out of the woods. No matter, no matter how much time you so, have. So Jay's got how many years, Jay? Four. Uh, four years, and you've got six months. Are right. either of you clear in the woods, or is that monkey in the other room doing push-ups just as close for both of you? That's right. under the table. Yeah, it's not even sure. in the other room. That's how I feel. I honestly feel like I may be. Like, are you any more safe than no. get years on her? Okay. That's the crazy part. We're all one decision away from being right back where we started. Absolutely. One decision. That's Absolutely. it. It takes it that quick because it's progressive. It's easy. And then you pick up, you're right back where you started. It's easy. Yeah, it's very easy. It takes one step. And I liked what Jay had to say about triggers um, because it's always you you need to loosen up a little I bit. I know. This is not the really professional, though. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I know what it's like to be in a business meeting with you. Yeah, but you're <laughs> awesome, man. You put on game face. This is not ARP, Becca. Yeah, this so is come on. Job. I want this ARP, Becca. Okay, so. People are going to tune uh, out. They're always... like, this chick's boring. <laughs> <laughs> and she is not boring. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. It's the life of the party. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so triggers. Are usually I just told her she couldn't swear, so maybe that's what's holding her back. People, for sure. <laughs> for sure, you want to swear. For sure it is. All good. Uh, people, places, and things oh. are what the triggers are, and that has been the case for every So name, name, uh, not by name, but yeah. how have people been triggers for you, and how have you eliminated those triggers in these last six months? Okay, so in the past, in the past, I've always left a door open. Never quite shut the door on one particular person. It was my drug dealer. And um, what was your excuse? Why did you leave that door open? What was your excuse of like? Why is there a good reason? You, you're a smart woman. What was the good reason you told yourself I should leave my dealer in my phone book or keep that phone number around? To get high. Yeah. Okay, so you knew the way around it. Yeah. But to a non-addict, the first thing they think of, like Brad, like right, he goes, yeah. Why in the world would you leave? But to an addict, they go, I know exactly why. Because you, yeah. But, I want to use again. But, I want to get but, really high. But pre, I mean, I've known you for years. Like you've sincerely, I thought sincerely wanted to get sobriety, but yet 
with this deep down, you had that seed in there still of what if I want to pick up again? Yeah, were you not serious? Well, that's were how you not, I've heard serious tears and you saying how bad you wanted to get sober. You you could have lost a lot of things, right. but yet you still kept that phone number in your phone book. And right. as a non-addict, I don't understand that. Right. Help me understand that. Was there justification or was it purely like I'm going to probably use again? Well, it only takes that one thought, and you. For me, several times I've always planned ahead. Right, but you planned it when you kept that person's phone number in your phone, right? No, I just kept the door open. When I want, like, before. Explain that, explain that Jay. So which I, what I think she's trying to say is she leave, you leave the door open because at that moment, usually when we come back to the doors of AA or NA or ARP, it's because everything's gotten really unmanageable, right? Life's gotten pretty wild. And usually people are consequences, job loss, people, friends, family are about to cut you out. So, of course, you're ready to just jump in and go, I got to do something because life is really unmanageable right, right now. And that's, However, that's where I've seen you, but not knowing you had that phone number in there. But all, but that's, that's the thing is a lot, almost all of us, until we finally get it, we leave these certain doors open because, yeah, we want it right now. Right. But what about once I get my life back together? Well, maybe if I want it, like I can get it. There's always that lie that like is in the back of the addict, the true alcoholic, the true addict that we're in control, not a, not our addiction. I've heard stories too about, well, for me, okay, so for me, leaving the door open could be keeping the meth pipe. Uh, okay. It could be. So one thing was keeping the, the number, keeping keep, the pipe around. Keeping the paraphernalia. It could have been having a $100 bottle of Dom Perignon and knowing, man, I spent a lot of money on yeah, this. Yeah, I don't want to waste gonna, that. just going to put it under the sink. For a rainy day, just in case I need it. Just knowing that it was there. I walked heard... by the liquor store, like in the Vons, actually with my son. We were getting some stuff, like $500 bottle of booze. I don't even know what Brad's it was. never drank it. Yeah, so, so this is shocking to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was yeah. walking through, like, and Logan's like, bar, is this stuff expensive? I'm, and there was like a locked up case, and that blew my mind. Like, is the 500 never mind, a random positive. So keeping, I get that, it's expensive. I'm cheapskate, so. That'd be tough to throw away. I, I can um, understand I've that. I've heard uh, about uh, pill addicts that just keep that secret stash of five pills of whatever did you, did in you, Did you do that, Jay? So Jay I, even I though actually, they're working a program. 100%. So when I first started coming to the program, I got rid of the well, – at first I had a few, but then, of course, I used – because I was at the point where I couldn't have them around. Like if I had one left, I was going to take it. So I used up my prescriptions. But I did have a prescription to a muscle relaxer. It wasn't my muscle relaxer of choice. It wasn't Valium. It wasn't Somas. It wasn't um, like a Xanax or anything like that. It was some other name, and it did it did get me high, but not the high I liked. It was really downer high, but I did keep a full prescription of that um, until actually three or four months. My wife had came back to me, and I just had it there. I had TMJ really bad, and like I said, it didn't get a euphoric high, but it definitely, if you took enough, like you're going to conk out, right? right. You're just going to go to sleep, which sometimes when you're an addict and you're stressed, that's all you want to do. Um, and I kept it, and I remember... I was taking it every now and then, and once we got back together, me and the family, my wife, um, I found an excuse to take it more each night to go to sleep, quote unquote. But really, it was because I had fear and anxiety in my head, and I didn't want to go to bed on the. You wanted to check out. I wanted to check out and then pass out. Okay. okay. Right. But then finally, it hit me. I was like, dude, I gotta flush that down the toilet, and I did it all on my own. No, I didn't tell anyone that until right now. So I mean, okay. So what are some other triggers that? So people are listening to this that probably they are the only so ones that know. What are okay. some other triggers? Let's, so let's call them for, out. So, so for me, yeah. it was um, certain streets driving down neighborhoods where I'd go pick up. Like just remind. I must have drive uh, by the street. Just I'm gonna drive by the street just to check it out. Just, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, it was bathrooms, public bathrooms, uh, especially in gas stations, particularly the ones smoking get high. Um, so, it, so you didn't have any drugs or pipe. You just go into the restroom and relive. And trigger. And, yeah. And, or well, you didn't go to the bathroom and it would be trigger those. And it could be any bathroom that had a flat surface where I could chop up heroin. Okay. And so uh, those pens, when people use pens that come apart and like become a straw, thick pens. Yeah. Like this one? For sure. Like, that's <laughs> actually triggering me right now. No. Yeah. <laughs> that way. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, and then of course you know, seeing it in movies. Yeah, you, you see drugs all around, right? Yeah. Music and movies is a big one. Yeah, especially with alcohol, because I don't get me wrong, I'm Hollywood just romantic, as right? much an alcohol. An well, how do you go to the when I go to Costco grocery store? There's aisles and aisles of booze. There like, is, and uh, in early sobriety, and um, well, not early sobriety because I've been so in and out, but. You know, oftentimes I find myself in the booth section wondering what in the heck I'm doing there. Just I caught that for you. Okay. Good. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, so just like I'm going to pick up some apples and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I'm over here in the aisle. Yeah. And subconsciously like, yeah, just drawn to it. 7-Eleven. I think the uh, same yeah. thing with the porn addict. Like they start, you don't go right back to hardcore pornography if you stop for a while, but you start looking at a little bit. Um, more risque movies, maybe watching great R movies again. Usually, most porn acts have to avoid those because the nudity reduction is greater, right? And then you slowly, right? And so the reality is, in order to live in them. recovery, you've got to stay super clear. Then with the night, like your line is more in a safe zone than my line, right? Is that like well, and you have to be aware of your triggers mm -hmm. and know what. Predict, yeah. So what are some other ones? Let's get let's dive a little deeper. Okay. You got you got pens, bathrooms, grocery uh, movies. Times of the year. Okay. Holidays. So, yeah. We Most talked about explain that. that. Explain what you because you shared about this in a meeting a while ago about uh, this is where people how 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 can holidays and family specifically be a huge trigger. We talked oh, about that yeah. last week. Not, and I'm talking the weather. Yeah. Fall weather when the mist is out, the smoke is out. Hmm. I mean that is just. It's crazy as it sounds, but it's true. Um, holidays are really hard for a lot of addicts. You know, that's when, you know, being an addict, going, sneaking drinks, smoking the weed in between, you know, dinners and meet and greets and, you know, just having a really, I come from a family of many addicts. My dad is a meth addict. He's 82 years old. Um, and then out of his seven kids, five of them are addicts. Alcoholics, drug addicts, porn addicts, other all kinds of addictions. So if you've got, if I'm a person listening to this podcast and I am new with recovery uh, or I'm white knuckling it and they've got some of these triggers in their life, you, what do you what's your suggestion for them? I mean, you got to put your whole heart, you got to be 100%. And so that's something that's different this time around is that I, I got rid of the number. I got rid of the uh, of contact with this person, um, avoided streets, uh, you know, it, keeping myself. For me, the only way that I thrive in recovery is keeping the structure. So it's going to meetings, getting a sponsor, working the steps, working a program, um, you know, going to my drug counseling, going to my group therapy through my medical insurance, reaching out, talking to other people, checking in. I mean, it's like the whole it's a whole formula for success. Mm -hmm. And when you've relapsed, what was the 
were there certain things you stopped doing? And oh, for sure. So what, what were the first couple things? Was so there a pattern of, of that? Some of the first couple things was, and I'll bring church into this, was stop going to my meetings at church. Um, you know, start romancing the idea of attending college and see what that would look like. And, you know, real addiction is it's such a powerful root that there's nothing in this world that can save you from not using, you know, not the desire or to, how do I want to say this? I have a, I have a child and that beautiful child, it's still going to stop me from going to those meetings. And, and, that, and a non-addict can't understand that because they can't reconcile your love for the child, which is 100% sincere. Yeah. And yet yeah. the and desire so, that overcomes. Yeah. And so much risk taking. And that's how strong, uh, that's how strong this addiction, addiction is. But it has the only, the only thing that will change the addict is a higher power. Yeah. So. Uh, please. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, Just not a, an adjective after. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but and your own willingness to. Well, it's just working the steps, admitting you have a problem, but you're powerless over your addiction. Um, so honesty, you know, getting 100 percent oh, brutal, honest what you're saying. brutal honesty. You got to get 100 yeah. percent with yourself first, then another person, and then you get real. Right. It's hard process. So, if it was easy, everyone would be. Then have yeah. millions of people die in that. Yeah, yeah that is leading cause of death. More, 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 more people die every year from addiction than like we've read before on the news and the statistics than accidents, than car accidents, than all diseases combined. So from alcohol to drugs to overdose, so clearly to car this isn't easy. From alcoholism to drugs. The steps yeah. seem easy, like oh, you just do twelve steps. You know, it yeah. seems like go to meetings, but, but go to meetings and but diving down deeper, it's it takes a lot more effort. It does, and you know, even with my first husband, he had had ten years of sobriety before he had a very strong meeting program, um, with commitments and sponsors, and you know, uh, he went out one time. He went out one time and died on heroin. And so, you know, it's really, and he, and what were the things? He stopped going to meetings. He put himself in high risk situations. And, and he made it through those. So you keep doing it, right? It keeps progressing. And you and make it well, he, it was just one time. Oh. It was one relapse that took his life. And, and again, shocking. You saw your husband die of a drug overdose, but yet that didn't, so, that didn't yeah. scare you clean. You can't scare an addict clean. There's nothing. There's no, nothing. Nothing. Not for your mother's Even life. In the beginning, not for your like yeah. there may be the moments where you're laying in the hospital bed and you realize you just relapsed and you woke up and you go, "I will never do that again," but until you get free time, until you get yeah. alone by yourself, and then well, it gives gone. you moments of clarity, as you've talked yeah. about. But it does. That's not working the steps. And yeah. what you right. said is no one can survive off the moments of clarity. Yeah. Moments of clarity, you can start your recovery, right? And you have everyone has to have a spiritual awakening, right? Bill wrote that, but in his journal and stuff, and that's how he started steps. Everyone has to have that spiritual awakening. However, that's not enough to sustain everyone, right? Or like you were talking about with relapse. This is going longer than our normal one. So that was our okay, outro music, good. but we're going to keep going because okay. we got a couple more minutes. So there's a lot. Awesome. I told you the hard part. High five, Rebecca. You're doing Boom. good. You feeling Thanks. all right?
I feel great. I like calling you Rebecca. I'm not calling you Becca. I'm calling you Becca. She wants to be called Becca. Oh, you like having your name Becca? I thought you liked Rebecca. Either one is fine. Okay, good. Uh, Jay, any questions that I haven't? Yeah, I think um, I think you hit it all in the head. I mean, I get where you're coming from because I'm an addict, and so I, I understand. Um, what has been? Um, what's? I mean, you make this. You're you're <clears throat> like you just said. You're an addict. You have a history with it, just like me. This is a childhood, just like I do. Um, and yet, the awesomest thing ever is the fact that these little victories, and one of those little victories is you actually basically you survived the whole holiday, right? Yeah. Get the hardest time. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. For and sure. here you are. Look where you are today. Instead right. of instead of using and where that would take you, right? I have it, joy. You have joy. And not yeah. only do you have joy, you're out here on a podcast that's gonna be broadcast into thirty eight something states. At it's least amazing. right now we're being listened countries. to countries. Countries, I mean. Countries. countries. Um and uh that's working at twelve seven you know, that's just someone who's not ashamed of their program. And I, I believe personally that I'm only alive today because my desire to, to, to do exactly what you're doing is just get out there. And you're, I mean, so one thing I've known Rebecca for a while now, she's not ashamed to say it like it is, to be honest. And even with the relapse or whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, like my wife says, there's someone that keeps coming back. Most of the people that I've met in the last four years, probably over 100 that have walked into all three of these little meetings right here that we have, the AOP meetings, there's only a few that when they relapse come back. Most come back. Someone else comes back. Well, they're on a run. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like, you may have had those moments, but you, you, you're like, you're like, you just keep coming back, and I love it. And, and you're on, what a victory. You just went through the holidays. I think you're awesome. Thank you. Thank the, you. The last thing I'm going to close on, is, and okay. we talked about pre-interview, is uh, Becca doesn't, uh, if you look, you know, Instagram Mormon mom, she don't look like the typical Mormon mom. Is that fair to say? Sure. A couple tattoos. Uh, <laughs> we had to tell her to not curse. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, tell me not to curse. <laughs> I tell Jay not to curse too. Jay's got an ugly looking mustache that you'll see a little Married later. Married to maybe, an Jay. atheist. Yeah. Yeah. Like the profile's not like. Did you go to BYU? No. No. Like, no, no. But no. the coolest thing ever is if you ask if you ask in our ward if you know Rebecca, everyone's gonna say they know Rebecca. That's 100%. Right. And why? Not because of, oh, this and the other. It's because she's in and she loves everyone. She serves. She gets served. And she she just, I, I call it connecting. You you connect to the gospel and to the church for the right reasons. And I'm just, I'm stoked to know you. It yeah. wasn't, can I share something? Yeah. It was, so it wasn't easy getting here, though. When well, I had, when I, when I was coming to church, when I was coming back to church for the first time, I was still using. I was still, and I was, I was hopped up on a lot of pills then too. So I was doing meth, I was drinking, and I was taking Xanax. And I had so much anxiety. The first time I could only go and sit for maybe 10 minutes in the sacrament meeting, and then I would have to go home and get high because it was too much. Then I started I, going I, to sacrament. I, rem I remember when you came there. Yeah. Because there was a person in our ward you grew up with that you were like extra nervous of seeing. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I and thought then, that'd be a cool thing. Like, hey, yo, you went so-and-so was in Young Ones, and you're like... I even have like, oh, that that's yeah. probably not a good thing. Right. And then I got to the point where I could sit through the full hour, but I was just this, I was just this beat up, you know, just run through the rocks, like sinner sitting in the back bawling the whole time. And it wasn't even, it was just filling the spirit again in my life. And I would make it through the hour and then I'd go and smoke my cigarettes at the end of the parking lot. People would come and go and like. Look, but I was never judged. I never felt well, that's judged. That's what I wanted to get to. It's like, I think, 
the, your profile would be, oh, you're judged, and I've asked you that. And, and that's yeah. completely the opposite of what I've experienced in the Mormon community, is never that judgment. We're all, we're all sinners, really. And the, my old bishop used to say, this isn't a, this isn't a, a, a day spa where <laughs> people like just come and get pampered and, you know, live this, this perfect sanctity life. This is really a gym for, uh, gym for sinners. Gym for sinners. Yeah. Love it. So that's awesome. Well, you're awesome, Becca. Thank you. Keep it up. Uh, maybe we'll have you back in in uh, six more months on your one year. In fact, we Let's will. Yeah. Yes. What, what's your year date? July twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen. Yes. We're gonna have Becca back here to celebrate her one year. Yep. Twenty seventeen is my year. Seventeen is my lucky number. It is. So year results. We yes. we're gonna have you back, and uh, you guys can all celebrate with us. So, thank okay. you. Thanks so much for having me. You're I appreciate awesome. it. Bye. Thank you.
Give him shelter in the hollow of thy 